Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Despite what their moms told them, they just aren't talented enough for radio. Unfortunately, anyone can have a show these days. Sean. Well, I'm pretty hard to figure out sometimes. I can't figure myself out sometimes, so don't you try to. Joe. You're an idiot. And really, a disloyal person. This, this is the Cuse Militia. Those two unapologetically biased, orange-blooded homers, Sean and Joe. It's the most bullshit thing I've seen in 30 years. Welcome, orange men and ladies. Happy Wednesday. This is the Q Smush with Sean and Joe. At Q Smush on the socials. Go there, join the militia. Live on X Spaces for the final segment of each show. The orange hang on by a thread, overcoming a late surge by Cornell the other night. Tuesday, 81 to 70. Sorry, we couldn't be here yesterday, but we're here today. So you'll hear yeah, from us. Just so you know, to help we'll hear from you and fan feedback. And Syracuse said to Georgetown to take on the Hoyas this Saturday morning. Your Saturday morning cartoons will be interrupted by Syracuse at Georgetown at 1130 uh-huh. in the morning, which is another just head scratcher. What's up, Joe? Uh, I was just going to say, because I know it's been a long week, and I know that you, you know, kind of want it to be over, but, you know, you said happy Wednesday. I just want you to know oh, it is Thursday. Thursday. It's, yeah, well, so there you go. We only have one day. Don't give an extra work day out for us. Come on, we don't need it. Yeah. Well, feels like it should be easily Friday. I'm not sure why I said Wednesday, actually. Nah, I think we normally do it on a, Tuesday or Wednesday. A, a day ahead, not a day behind. Uh, anyways, look. Uh, the Cornell game, we'll have a montage, a quick little montage put together, and let's go ahead and get into that, and then we'll, 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 we'll touch on Georgetown, and then we have not talked about the uh, formal introduction of Coach Brown, Fran the Man, and uh, with his presser the other day, and we can finish with that. And I'm sure the way the football news is going, that will continue to be the focus of Syracuse sports for, you know, an indefinite amount of time at this point. I I don't know. It just seems like every, every week there's something new. So he was at the Cornell game. Didn't say much. Said what he needed to said and walked off. He already said everything you need to say, and we'll talk about it. But first, let's hear what Coach Red had to say following the game. All right, guys. Uh, that was a game that we expected, you know, up and down. Um, I thought our defense, for the for the most part, was, you know, pretty good. I mean, just looking at how many three-pointers they, they shoot, um, you know, we held them under one that they normally make, average 10, but we held them to nine. Uh, Thought, you know, a team that was averaging 85, 88 points, and I've seen them play uh, the last couple of years. That's what they do. They score points. For our defense to, you know, hold them to 70, under, you know, right at 70, 
Um, in the last couple of possessions, you know, I just, we just fell asleep with this good offensive team. But I was proud of our guys because it got close, um, and they, they, they buckled down, and we got some big stops when we needed to. And then uh, we made some, you know, big baskets when we needed to. I thought everyone that stepped into the game today contributed. thought Claudia Copeland had some uh, – um, <clears throat> big free throws at the end. Thought J.J. Stalin hit a big-time shot, even though he wasn't playing well uh, for most of the game offensively. Um, I thought that was a big-time shot. And obviously, Judah, you know, he, he led the charge. Um, and so, uh, Malik Brown, I thought everyone that stepped into this game, Kyle Cuff just gave great effort. That's a hard team to play, experienced team. Um, so, I was just proud of our guys. Uh, they, they, they really stuck with it. And uh, the, it could have turned out differently, but they didn't. So, you know, that's just things that we got to keep building on our defense is uh, improving. You know, again, offensively, they, they switched things up. You know, we had to try to figure some things out. And then when Judah went out, obviously he's a key to what we do. We kind of got out of sorts, and J.J. wasn't, you know, playing particularly well, finishing around the, around the basket. So when he made his drives, but he has to stay aggressive. We need him to be aggressive. Um, um, and, uh, and I thought uh, <clears throat> J.T. made some big drives late, and uh, Chris Bell, you know, uh, he made some big, big threes in the, in the second half. Uh, just got, you know, got ran out a little glass at the gas at the end. But uh, you know, we can't play against a team like this when you're tired because they're very good in their condition. They've subbing constantly, so um, you know, we just we had to uh, make that make that adjustment. And I thought Quadia came in for defensive adjustments at the end, and I thought that worked out for us. Questions. Red Hockham, uh, we didn't see Benny Williams tonight. You know, tonight I just played the guys that I, you know, I thought could uh, help us, help us with um, this game. This is a particularly hard game, so I just you know, played the guys that I thought could help us win. Adrian, what went in the decision to go with Copeland at the end of the game? A defense. You know, I thought, you know, once we had Judah back in the game um, and Malik was on the boards and JT made a um, – Looked like he was getting to the basket and getting his shots up. I just thought we needed another defender out there at that time. And so, you know, I kind of went with that. You know, for JJ, just, you know, be JJ. You know, keep playing. Don't worry about it. No one, you know, no one is perfect. No one plays 30 great games, all right? But, again, tonight I thought he made a big-time shot. He doesn't make that shot. This game could be different. So, you know, I think that's what really good players do. And he's a really good player, and that was a big-time shot. So we needed it. All right, let's start off real quick with kind of the game flow, Joe. Obviously, um, a, a, a lead kind of dwindling towards the end of the half. And, you know, Syracuse really, I thought, with the way Cornell was shooting, I thought they did a good job. The game kind of went like, like what Coach said. It went about the way you kind of expected. We knew this team was good, a good shooting team. Got a lot of guys that can um, handle the ball and make shots. And they they tried like hell. Nine for 33 for 27%. Syracuse, you know, if Syracuse isn't as hot as they are, if Judah is not as hot as he is from three, five, I think that's a that's a – it's a career high for him. It's five threes in the game. Five for seven. It's amazing. 13 to 32 for the team. 40% from behind the arc. And, you know, Justin Taylor did his part. And Chris Bell is kind of that in getting into that niche as far as Chris Bell goes. And, I mean, if, if he's doing that, then I feel like this team's extremely difficult to beat when you got him and Judah in there. And then, you know, Judah goes out. I think he was out for like eight minutes or something like that. And, yeah, um, seven, something like that. Yep. Coach is waiting for the four minute mark, and he barely got there before it was the lead was dwindled down to six. 
at one point. And, um, you know, Judah comes in there and he makes a huge difference. You know, they throw Copeland in the mix at the end and just the energy and the effort and just everything having to do with him um, was was tremendous. And, you know, I'll say that I thought Malik Brown had more steals. The dude poked out more balls in one game than I think I can ever remember <laughs> in my life. So the dude, he's he's constantly getting clean pokes in, in every game. But this game, you know, really, I thought, you know, he's coming from behind surprising people. He's like, who do yeah. you who do they got to be clean, man, because, you know, Sometimes I was just like he was doing it so much it was like I was waiting for somebody to like call foul yeah and I nobody know, ever right. does right because it's he's just right on it and he just times it perfectly I mean he's it's that's a that's a tremendous skill to have to be able to do that oh and, yeah and to Houdini someone from behind it's it's another skill you know it's like mm-hmm. uh, you you didn't even hear him coming so I mean what he does on the floor just you know the the numbers aren't always jumping out at you I mean twelve rebounds is a is a number that jumps out but um, obviously right but right you know with what he does on the floor just being as disruptive as he is and the same thing I think goes for Copeland with his six points and. Um, you know, he had six rebounds too, all defensive. And so, um, and three steals for Copeland and, and then with bell with the blocks, I mean, there was a couple blocks he chased down. It was just so, I mean, just the, the way that they played defense, I know it's just Cornell, it's just Cornell, right? But the way that they played defense against this team is just extremely disruptive. And I know that you get into certain games against certain teams and the matchups are different and things can be more intimidating, but you see what they can do. Cause I mean, let's, let's be honest, it's Cornell, but they're probably going to finish first in the Ivy league this year. They're, they're, they're a, a good team and yeah. um, they can shoot. They have the skill to shoot. They just, they, they couldn't get it they couldn't get it quite going. They got it going good enough a few times to really, you know, make our butts pucker a little bit. Yeah, but get it close. At the, yeah. at the end of the day, it just come Judah coming in at the end with Copeland um, in, in the defense there. And, 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 and like coach said, one more thing I'll just touch on. I know everybody's really hard on JJ Starling, but he does hit a, he does hit a huge shot uh, from behind the arc during that, um, during that run of Colgate, or to really end that run of Cornell's, um, that was you know momentum changing, and yeah. and from there it was just all Cornell's body language. You could see it just crumble. I mean, let's you know that's that's how I saw it. So, um, all in all, it's a W. It's chalk. Joe, you and I talk. It's chalk up to this point, and that's fine. It's it is supposed to be what it's supposed to be. That you know that you talk about the three losses all difficult teams, all ranked teams and yeah. not at the time with, with UVA sake, but still, um, a lot to be, you know, a lot, I think there's a lot to like about this team and, um, watch these guys grow and especially JJ coming into his own and, you know, coach one more thing. I'm sorry. I said one more thing five minutes ago. Um, chance Westry, you know, they're talking maybe, maybe, a, hopefully a month or so, maybe, uh, hoping for that and fingers crossed on it, no guarantees, but you know, at least we're talking about some kind of timeline and right. to get him back, you know, in a month is, is not as good as two weeks, but uh, you know, the dynamic of this team could change. I think he's going to probably have, you know, there's going to be a learning curve there for him. He's going to get, have to get back into the rhythm and um, we'll see how it goes and we'll see how long it actually takes. But just uh, another a positive note um, on the horizon, as far as, um, you know, cohesiveness gets with the team yep. and the talent on the team, period. 
Yeah, well, yeah, and I mean, obviously, there's going to be a point in time where we're going to need something like that because obviously, some a team like Cornell, right? Like, you know, and, and Coach spoke about it. On, I think on Q's Nation, I think today or something. But um, you know, Naheem McLeod against teams like this, where they got smaller big men that like to step out and hit threes, not the greatest matchup. So. Um, we saw it happen, and that's why you know Malik Brown got 28 minutes. But again, when you get it all, when you get it, it's just when it comes all together. I mean, Malik Brown had seven offense, seven offensive rebounds out of the 12 re- rebounds. Um, you know, uh, looking at Chris Bell, you know, he did more than score. You know, he had four blocks, like that you alluded to, three rebounds. Uh, Justin Taylor had eight rebounds, six assists, and 15. I mean, he led the yeah. team with assists and had 15 points. Um, you know, and obviously, he had a tremendous tw- game. Uh, Judah with the 28, you know, and I think that Starling and Copeland both made, you know, plays uh, that, you know, you're not going to see in the box score and in and, and some clutch plays like you alluded to with J.J. Starling hitting the shots. You know, it was it was a good game. I think I always follow teams like this, like, you know, the Cornells and the Colgates teams from our non-conference schedule. You know, I'm going to keep an eye out on Gonzaga and Tennessee and those, those kind of things. So. You know, as we go on throughout the season, there will be, you know, I don't want to say monthly or I don't want to give it any type of, you know, timeline. But, you know, we'll talk about how good Cornell and Colgate and some of these teams are doing in their non-conference just so that people can understand that these type of games. um, Cornell was a quad two win right now, by the way. Yeah. So at home, at At home. home. Well, it's a quad two win. Yeah. It's yes at home, but yeah, but usually at home, a team like this would be a quad three or a quad four game, right? So a a game, you mean away? Well, right, right. But if this was away, it would still be just to be just so you guys know. um, Even if this is an away game, this is a if this is at Cornell, be a quad one game because it was at home as a quad two game. Sorry, right? Just to clarify. So right, so and we're getting to the point now. You know, non conference is is close to being over. So um, you know, like I said, big win. Uh, we had a lead, thought that it, I mean, we were playing really good, but they weren't hitting shots. Started hitting shots, got it within three before the half. And then we came back out and kind of took the game again. And then Judah got in foul trouble, like you spoke about, sat somewhere between six to eight minutes. And I thought, you know, it was kudos to the team without being able to Judah keep it together. to be able to, to keep it there. You know, obviously they came close um, to coming back and you know, things like that, but we still kept the lead and we hit the clutch timely shots when we needed them to. And then when she got to a certain point, Judy came in and closed the game out. And obviously Chris Bell and, and Taylor, you know, shot well from, you know, eight of eight of 18 combined from the three with them. If you take away Judah Mintz's five of seven. So overall, like I said, good win, you know, nine blocks and nine steals as a team, I think is really good. Um, still think that, you know, we need to get a little bit better with, um, trying i mean they let them play it was a physical game so you know we um, didn't really get to the line as much as we normally do one rebounds um i think to me it's just and we even won one turnovers so i'm cool with it but there's still just some unforced turnovers just some bad turnovers i don't want to see you know we're playing against a team that's got good defense and their defense turns us over okay i get it but you know being fancy and having it just go out of bounds or passing it to the other team, you know, just, when they're in the pass. Yeah. You know, there's there's a couple sloppy ones. So I'd like to see that cleaned up. Sloppy and then passes, I saw. Yeah. Right. And then obviously as we get into ACC playing, play against bigger teams, we're going to need somebody other than, you know, Brown and, and, and um, McLeod to step up. 
Um, and not necessarily in the center spot. It's just, to me personally, in, in a perfect world, you know, we need some type of power forward slash small forward type guy like a Benny Williams or a Chance Westry <laughs> to uh, to figure it out. So um, whether – I don't know what's going to happen first. Chance comes back or Benny figures it out. Well, but, I mean, just transition to the next point. You heard, you heard Coach. Benny's been kind of had the spotlight on him and, and, and for no good reason. No good reasons. I should say there's, there's nothing there's, does not have the spotlight on him because he's out there on the court, you know, impressing everybody is the it was, you know, missing a little bit last year, Joe, it was, um, it was this year out, it was suspended. It was a couple minutes here, a couple minutes there. It's now it's turned into no minutes because coach in his own words said that he was going to play the guys that thought could, um, win this game. Well, if Benny can't help win a game against Cornell, how's he going to help win a game against the, the the slated ACC schedule? And the body language on the sidelines is kind of, I mean, this was written about, it's no secret, right? The body language on the sidelines is um, less than great. If I'm a coach, I don't even want that on, on the sideline. I don't care. You know, it's a it's a discussion to have with the team and um, Benny himself. But if it's if that's how it's going to look, I mean, he didn't even seem to be cheering on the team. There was like he was kind no. of emotionless, and you know, he, he almost seemed like he was just bored. Like he didn't want to be there. So why make him be there if that's the case? Like I, I don't know. I expect this to either get way better or it's over. And, and and one or the other needs to happen sooner than later, because at some point this just becomes a total distraction. Yeah, well, you know what they say sometimes. You know the uh, bad apple spoils, spoils the, the bunch. bunch. And I'm not yeah. trying to say you know, like I said, he could have something going on. We don't know. He could have some family issues. He could have some academic issues, some personal life issues. Um, I don't think Coach saying you know I wanted to play the players are going to help us win. I don't necessarily think he's only talking about talent you know so when you say oh you know if he can't help Cornell I don't think it's because he's not good enough to go in and play Cornell it's is he is he there mentally and from everything that I've read on social media about his body language how he went through just the warm-ups to on the bench and seeing him just sitting there like he was just staring off into space and players are coming in out and people on the teammate and coaches are high-fiving him. Good job. Good job. And he's just sitting there just, and same thing with big plays. People stand up, cheer. Someone hits a three. He's just sitting there. So again, I mean, it's a bad look. It's obvious. It's it's obvious that he doesn't want to be there to me because it's to a point now where everyone's looking at it. You can't tell me that 75% 75 of the fans are, noticing or looking for it oh because i know i look at energy on the bench and things like that you know i like to see the the um there was one point that we talked about benny being that that guy on the bench even though he wasn't out there getting all the minutes all the time that was actually you know being a team player and looking like you know, at least he had that at one point, you know, and now it's like not even that's there. It's just I'm not trying to 
I mean, who knows? <laughs> like not you said, to bash the kids, no, I'm not bashing I mean, them. I'm just telling you. I mean, but the reality is, this is reality. I mean, everybody sees it. Let's not pretend like we don't all see the same thing. So, right. um, a talented kid don't know what's going on, and you know, sometimes, sometimes the room's too crowded. You know, and you know, the cream rises to the top. And with that said, I mean, maybe it's just a struggle for him to get minutes. Maybe you know, the the talent that's there is just better than what he's been showing coach in practice because not only that, but I mean, you know, we've, we haven't seen a ton of action that has been impressive, not even close to a consistent level since he's been here and um, had high hopes for Benny, like Benny. I used to, we used to talk a lot about Benny. We used to be Benny apologist back in the day when, when we were wondering why this, this, he's never gotten consistent minutes. There's something to that. There's something to that. Yeah. We well, just, now this is two coaches too, right? Exactly. I mean, that's the one thing I heard, you know, listening to, to Q's Nation riding into work today. Um, well, yesterday's version, you know, he's like, this is two people now. You know, everybody, they, they were talking about kind of what we talked about last episode about all the comments about people saying that Benny should be playing more and this, this, and that. And, um, you know, he's like, you know, college basketball, he said, college basketball coaches are smarter than any fan caller that's calling in and talking about how Benny should, should play. be playing more minutes. Right. And like, yeah. and a lot of it, I think, like I said, it's, it's to me, it's, to me, it's just, it's kind of how, like, I don't, people say they don't want to be judged and all that other stuff. And there's all first impressions and all that kind of stuff. But like, if I were to go into work every day and not want to talk to anybody or work with anybody or be a team player and, in in that I create some type of bad culture, toxic culture within my workplace, that I'm getting fired at some point. I'm getting talked to at some point, and I'm either going to have that option of I'm going to change my attitude and be a team player and do what I need to do for the team to win, or I'm going to get fired. And obviously you can't get fired, but you can get benched. And nobody wants to get benched, so... Right, no one wants. To and you watched Quadri Copeland last year. I mean, he didn't get a lot of burn at all, and he was. Oh, the, the, he's he the, was awesome he's, on the sideline. He's line, the right? one I was thinking of, dude. Forgive me. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's the one I was thinking of. He was. He was an amazing cheerleader on the sidelines. He still is. I mean, and guess what? That's being a team player, doing what you can do, regardless if 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 you're in a position that you're not. You know, like you said, cream rises to the top. Sometimes the rooms to a full. Well, that's fine. But then find your role. If you only get five minutes a game and your role is to keep everyone upbeat on the damn bench so that every time the people that are out on the court make a play and they look over and they see their whole team cheering and getting them going, like Be that firing guy. them up, then yeah, dude, that's part of a team. Like yeah. that's them playing their role. And then someday, you know, now he's playing 15 minutes a game, right? And there's somebody else on the bench cheering. And, you know, they go through roles. And if it's just a situation where you think that you should be starting and playing 30 minutes a game and you're going to act like that if you don't, but again, I don't want to presume because there could also be other things going on in his personal life. So at the end of the day, like you said, it's just something that's got to change because it's just a bad look. And now everyone's looking for it. Yeah. No, everybody's looking for it. All eyes are on him. Now he's under a microscope. You know, now um, you've got you know i mean we're even talking about people tweeting about stuff turn warm warm-ups so yeah uh you know it's kind of you know it, it's if it's if we're spread that thin as far as the analysis goes then 
obviously it's i mean there was an at syracuse.com article written about it of course mm-hmm. you of course i couldn't read it i read the first paragraph that was about it uh anyways uh we you know like i said either it's going to get either it's going to get really good really quick or you know something else has got to happen i don't know what and the coach i don't know what's going on so i just hope that you know at some point this changes because i just don't feel like um it's a it's good it's not only not a good look like you said uh it could bring morale down i you know you get one you know i i manage about 40 something dudes you know you get a couple dudes with a bad attitude and that shit spreads like terminal cancer i mean it's bad like it can be bad real quick that's not that's not something you can let linger that's not let something you can let go that's something you need to fix and fix it immediately and it, it and it's the same thing if not more dramatic with with a sports team no matter who it is that's just not it's a total distraction and it's not something that can be tolerated uh, nor accepted which is one and the same all right it's probably why I didn't play. Probably. Uh, the all-time series between the Orange and the Hoyas sits at 53-45 and 45 in favor of Syracuse. The teams have been trading wins every year since 2018. Syracuse with the W last year, 83-64 to 64 in um, Homeboy's last, Patrick Ewing's last game uh, against Syracuse anyway, uh, after letting him go. So, uh, 83-64, I said yes, correct. That's correct. Mince. Gerard, Edwards, Bell, and Williams. Speaking of Williams, you're starting five. Edwards with 20 points, 11 rebounds. And Mintz with 10 assists. Uh, Syracuse and Georgetown would finish their Big East rival with a uh, fitting 36-36 and 36 record against each other. The two teams met, uh, met each other 14 times in the Big East tournament and split those games 7-7. How crazy is that? This is according to orangehoops.org, these little fun facts here. Syracuse had four five-game winning streaks against Georgetown. The Hoyas had a six-game and a five-game winning streak against the Orange. Again, orangehoops.org, Georgetown. They're currently sitting at 5-3 and three after getting robbed by a missed call against TCU at the buzzer. Uh, Since that, they've been able to sit there and rest and ponder upon what could have been in that game and wait for this uh, Syracuse Orange to come into town. And like I mentioned, it's a weird time, 1130 on Saturday. So um, in the absence of Mr. Patrick Ewing, uh, this team's now led by uh, former Providence coach Ed Cooley. And, you know, they've got, so they've got some, again, like I alluded to against um, when I watched the TCU game, I mean, they got, they got some shooters on this team, man. And they've got five players averaging double digits and scoring. Uh, They're led by Jaden Epps, who's averaged 19.1 points a game. Um, So (laughs) he's also leading the team in assists with three and um, his three, uh, three point shooting percentage is uh let's see 39 excuse me 46.2 so uh they got some other guys here that can that can throw down by the way if you throw rowan rowan um brumbaugh into this mix you almost got six guys averaging double ditches a game so he's at 9.4 but you got uh dantra styles at 16.4 ishmael masood at 12.5 supreme cook that's a killer name uh, at 10.9, Jay Heath at 10.1, and then the aforementioned Rowan uh, Brumbaugh. As a team, they're shooting 45.9% from the free throw line or um, from the floor, 
uh, 68.3 from the free throw line and 39% overall from three. So, um, you know, this uh, Jaden Epps, I think we faced last year, right? Did we? No. No, we did not? No. Okay. Jay, he, Jay Heath. And, oh, uh, he's from Illinois. Russell. He's from Illinois, Jaden Epps. Yeah, Jaden Epps is a sophomore from Illinois transfer, yep. Okay. And he's also from Norfolk, Virginia. Your neck of the woods. Maybe that's why the name sounds familiar, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, no, they – um. Thing is with this team is is that they just got so you I don't know if you mentioned Ismail Masood. Um, I did. You weren't but, listening. No, I wasn't. Um, so Ismail Masood, six uh, nine transfer from K State. He has only been back for two games, and in those two games, he's averaging thirty one minutes, twelve and a half points, six and a half rebounds, one and a half steals, and three blocks, shooting three pointers at forty percent. As a six nine forward, so that's the guy that came back. They just beat TCU, um, and asterisk. No, they lost against TCU. Okay, sorry, they lost. But there's an there's TCU. a lo- there's an asterisk on the loss. Oh yes, they should have won yeah. the game. Let's just, just put it that way. Yes, yeah. but um, you know, Epps had twenty four, Masood had sixteen with ten uh, rebounds. Um, so I mean, this team. With Masood in full health, I don't know if they lose their two earlier games. They're probably a better team than they were earlier in the season. As like obviously having a five and three record. Um, if they were You're talking about Holy Cross and Rutgers, those two losses. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah Holy Cross much. was a one point loss, by the way. Yeah, so I mean, you're talking about a team that really only goes you know six, seven deep, and. I mean, I think pace is going to be a big thing for us, but um, this team has got, you know, three seniors and a junior um, in their starting lineup, uh, and Ishmael Masood coming off the bench as a senior. So they're an older team, and realistically, like I said, Supreme Cook, uh, he's a first-year transfer from Fairfield. Jaden Epps is a first-year uh, transfer from Illinois. Dontrez Styles is a first-year transfer from UNC, and Masood's a first-year transfer from K-State. So Cooley came in. He hit the transfer portal, and, um, yeah, he's always played with you know a tough mindset. I think he's a perfect coach for Georgetown, and um, it's, it's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a tough game for sure. Uh, they got shooters. They shot 48% from the three against TCU, uh, and um, – yeah, gonna be a tough one, man. I know we got some good. I think uh, that's where um, Judah's from that area, you know. So we got some players that are from that area that are gonna have family, and obviously, you have still the you know Syracuse Georgetown rivalry in which Adrian Autry played in, and a lot of our coaches played in it. So, um, and we have been playing them for the last couple you know years. So overall, you know, I don't think it's gonna be an easy win. Um, when I really broke it down, it made me a lot more nervous than I than I was previously because I do see that they're a different team than previous as far as against Holy Cross and Rutgers. So um, should have a better record if they were fully healthy in the beginning of the year, and this game scares the crap out of me. Well, I mean, I wasn't going to go all there with it, but uh, I don't know if uh, it's a great matchup for us, and I'm a little nervous but it didn't scare the crap out of me until just now. So, I mean, it's not. I mean, look, okay, this, this is, is this is what it was. Is that I talked to some people that I feel are pretty 
knowledgeable when it comes to like college basketball. And a couple of people said, you know, that they they suck, or this, this, that, or they lost, they saw them lose to the Rutgers or, or Holy Cross or whatever. Like, okay. But I did talk to one person that said, you know, they looked damn good against TCU and it should have won that game. And TCU's undefeated. Um, so, and then you look at their lineup and they got their six, nine guys can shoot threes. So that doesn't bode well for Naheem McLeod being out there. Um, I don't know so much Supreme Cook, but um, only really good thing I see with that is, is that, you know, Malik Brown is probably going to be playing a lot more minutes and at least these big guys that they have, you know, they max out at six, nine. So at least that's something that, you know, Malik can handle. Uh, and, you know, Bristol and Styles and those guys, you know, Heath and Epps are the same size as our guards, Styles and Bristol. Same size as is is Bell and in um and Taylor, so in Copeland. So as far as size goes, I think that we match up well. I just don't know how well we'll be able to take advantage of Naheem McLeod's size. Um, especially if Masood's in there because he can shoot threes. I'm not like um super sold on McLeod's abilities quite yet. Anyway. Well, no, no. I mean, especially if he has to step out and shoot the three though. Or not shoot the three. If he has Block, to step out and defend. and defend the three, yes. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, look. It's going to be a good test. And we all freaking hate Georgetown, so that one's going to suck to lose. And I don't know how else to put it, but um, maybe Syracuse comes out and, and um, on fire. They're going to have to shoot. That's the thing. I mean, dude, I'm not putting this team on the level of Virginia, I, Gonzaga, I Tennessee. I understand right? that. And no, but let's but be I honest. But I think they're better than LSU. Okay, fair. They're better than Colgate, and they're better than mm, Cornell. Probably, yeah, probably. Okay. Um, so there we go. All right. Let's talk Fran Brown. All right, so Fran Brown was officially introduced to the Syracuse community. What day was that, Joe? Was that Monday? Yep. Was it, was it Monday? Yeah. Okay, all right. Yes, that's right. It was Monday at 10 o'clock. You know, he sat with um, John Wildhack, and they had a, a nice little presser, and, you know, there was there was very little that I actually saw in Fran Brown before, you know, going and watching that and sitting down for whatever the hour or whatever it was. And, you know, I liked what I saw and I liked what I read and we all know about the recruiting stuff and, and all that seems to still be the only thing that I hear and kind of really wanted to just take a a, a little bit of time just to go in a different direction, maybe. And I, and Joe, I don't know. I haven't heard anybody else talk about him. You, you listen to the podcast, the other podcast shows out there. I do not. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you still hear a lot of recruiting stuff. We know about the recruiting, but for me, like the recruiting is a surface level thing for Fran Brown. I think Fran, there's so much more to coach Brown that comes along with, and I think the recruiting thing, the, the recruiting thing is a bonus because he just to who he is and how he communicates and, he doesn't mince words. He's, he seems like a high character guy. He doesn't need anything. He knows what he wants to do. And he talked, I mean, he talked a lot about things that for me indicate, like I said, a high character guy, you know, he's, um, 
not promising anything right away. Um, but my God, I mean, you know, you can look at what's been just <laughs> it, it, the the players that have been hitting the portal. And Joe, you could talk a little bit about some of the the recruits that are going to be making their way into Syracuse and you know bringing Elijah Robinson in and um, the other names there. What's the what's the guy's name from the what was it? Is he the D line coach from Colorado? Uh, bringing Nick Williams him in. or something like that. Yeah, and you know he talked about just like on on Elijah Robinson. He doesn't he doesn't and he tells you straight up. He's like, look, be lucky if he's here for three years because he's head coach material. I mean, I know which is this. See, the whole thing's a, like to even get this guy to begin with is amazing because Texas A and M was was uh, wanting him to. They were well, they were at least talking about right having him just become head coach after being interim head coach after Jimbo Fisher was gone. So. Well, there was chirps of that, and then they hired Mike Elko, right? Okay. So, well, but I mean, he had he obviously was is is a guy that that had the potential, right? And um, you know, I'm sure that he's going to use Syracuse as a launching point for getting that type of job somewhere, and you know, that's fine, whatever, whatever. As long as you know, I think there's some consistency at head coach. There, the guy, a guy like Fran Brown, unlike. Adino Babers, I think, has more relationship. Look, I, I don't know. It seems like he has more relationships to bring other people in. Like he could backfill fairly easy. So when you talk about bringing coaches in that might use this as a launching pad to go other places, um, which is no surprise to Coach Brown because he's been talking about it. Um, I think maybe backfilling and having that um, those roles filled with quality coaches. Isn't well, as big to, of a right? deal. Well, right, you do. I mean, we got but early it's a different. This is a different. This is a different kind of guy, though. Oh, it's totally, absolutely. This is totally different. Absolutely. And he's throwing darts, throwing darts. Yeah, he's got the dart acronym going, and which I love. And you know, he's got. He, like I said, he doesn't mince words. He put everybody on notice, including everybody, f- fans, alumni. The press, which I love, like the university, the university. I don't, you know, we don't have to go in, and I think he's going to be more of a straight shooter. So, you know, Joe, a point that you made that I love is that we, you know, being through the changes that we've been with basketball and now football. I mean, the whole open to the show is is Coach Babers and Coach Beheim and like contemplating changing this. And I said, well, we need sound bites, Joe. We need sound bites. Well, guess what? You know, the pressers may be, you know, Fran Brown, Fran the man might make pressers great again because I can't wait for him to get in there. And he seems like the kind of guy that's not going to put up with any shit from these little hack media (laughs) talking (laughs) heads. And, you know, he's going to go in there, guns blazing if he's got to. And he does it in a way where it's just like real soft spoken. You know, he doesn't seem like he's going to get angry. He's just going to tell you how it is. And if he wants to to pull an Elon Musk and say, go yourself then you know it might come down to that it might be really no, really calm, i think though. he's just gonna like he said i mean look if you take what i say out of context and you go print that without you know asking me for context he's like, i probably won't talk to you again right like i mean that's what he said to the media so um you know he's a straight shooter and i see a situation where like if you're gonna if you're gonna just take his words and run with it and print whatever you want which i mean hey look that's you can do it if you want to. It's your choice, but you could possibly lose access to him. So, um, I loved how I loved his introduction because, like you said, put everything everyone on notice. Um, he seems like a guy that 
he knows the investment that he needs. You know, he called out the fans and he said, you know, if you're a fan, then just you got to be a fan. You got to invest. So if you a fan that want, if you're a fan that wants a championship caliber team, then you need to put in a championship type investment, not a six and six investment. You know, and I think he said the same thing to the alumni. He's like, I, I need you here. I need you at the practices. He's like, you know, I'd love your money, but I need you here more than I need your money. And I want your money too. No, no, he said that as well too, right? <laughs> yeah. But at the end of the day, he's basically coming from a point where he don't want to hear it if you're not willing to help. Because we're in the day and age now where as, a, as, as fans and as community you, you can make and as change. alumni and donor, you, you can make it happen because yeah. other schools are making it happen, right? I mean, hell, Texas A&M – Fans from Texas A&M, NIL from Texas A&M came up with $76 million to get Jimbo Fisher out of there. So don't tell me it ain't an age of, of money, right? Um, By the way, comes, just, just real quick, Joe, I'm sorry. The, the, um, how much was that? Say that again. $76 million. Holy cow. Okay. Well, the Orange United goal, and I was a little saddened by this, the Orange United goal is at 500000 <laughs> Now... There's well, that's some, only one, though, right? Yes, I, I know. That's going to be the big one, though. That's the one. I mean, it's a social media platform. I'm in there. Well, it is. And Tory Ball has now got an actual position with the, with the university. Um, yeah, he was well, part of the uh, the team or the committee that they put together to find mm-hmm. the next head coach. Um, and, and, and Fran Brown thanked him um, during the press conference as well. So... Um, good on Tory Ball, you know, an alumni that stepped up and started pushing that that NIL. I know that people like Tyler and people like all that, you know, they're they're starting to do that. Um, but again, we didn't start when everyone else did, so we're a little bit behind. Um, but that was really, really what I liked more than anything about his, because you know me, like, just do your damn job, accountability, right? Um, and he said, if the alumni, it's the A in Dart, by the way. <laughs> yep, right. it's A and Dart. Dart detail, accountability, relentlessness, toughness, mm-hmm. and I, you know, uh, that that makes sense to me. So it's, that's like builds said, a man right called, there. And he even called out the the, the the alumni. Right, he said, "Come to the practices. Come do this. You got an open door. I'll take constructive criticism. You can tell me anything you want." He gave the invitation right then and there, right there. Um, but he also said that if you don't help and invest and come and try to be a part of it, then he don't want to hear anything. So that's that's really the biggest thing that I got from him is, is he basically put everyone on notice. And I'm sure that he's had the conversations with John Wildhack. And now it's up to everyone else to basically come through on their promises. So we're still in a wait and see mode. But the way that he came out and the way that he put his foot in the door and introduced himself, I mean, I'm, I'm – I'm there's, cool with it. There's no the thing about him is the um, genuineness of how he communicates. There's no script to him. I mean, he could go on. I mean, that press conference could have been two hours. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like he could go on and on and on and on. And you know, you know, he stole a couple of the same stories over and over again. But um, you know, you know, he was on ACC ACC PM too, and um, with. Uh, Packard, and what's her name there? Forget her damn name, Tenenbaum. But uh, you know, he was he was great there too, and he was he's just straight up, and um, you know, you just hope that that translates into what you think it's going to translate into, because I think everybody can read into it and see that this guy's pretty special, and you know, he told he said straight up that you know, 
Well, my daughter's what? 13. He's done. <laughs> he says, says that's it. Oh, yeah. You know, but, well, look, I'm just saying, I mean, he, he's a straight shooter. He's a straight shooter. He's going to tell you how it is. And the, the, the kids these days need that because he's not going to put up with any shit. You want to talk about, you know, he didn't really call yeah. out the kids or anything like that. But you know that, that he's that kind of guy. It's just it's not going to fly. It's no, like, and he comes from a program that you can't allow discipline, that. Discipline, right. Right. And so, I mean, yeah, that's that's just where he comes from. And also, too, he's also got that. He's got a similar background when he talks about, um, you know, religion and being a man and a husband um, a father, you know, similar to Dino. Talk, talking about being similar to Dino, being a leader of men. So I think I don't think he's really going to have a huge, huge problem retaining a lot of the players on the roster unless there's just not a spot for his vision, um, because I think that that main basic um, thought process of, of being a leader of men and growing and helping this young man grow into the, the you know the leader and the man they, they need to be because football's not going to be forever right like I, I felt that same vibe from him but again the only thing with me and like I said I'm a Dino guy but I like straight up I'd rather you straight up me than bullshit me and lull me to sleep with you know metaphors and Movie riddles lines. right like yeah yeah so I mean <laughs> and that's not that's not a shot of Dino that's just saying that that's just, this is what impressed me from this guy. You know, we and another thing. Go ahead. I'm just going to say we never saw we we saw Dino get only get aggravated with the media, like through the past, last past couple of pressers. Like he kind of let them almost have their way to a certain extent. You know, this like there was no not a ton of pushback, and you know, you got to sometimes you can't develop these personal relationships with these people either all all the time because they're just going to eat you up. And you're not gonna you're not gonna get first of all from the, in the on the on the on the media end of things you're not always gonna get the questions asked that need to be asked that the fans want to know. So it should be more of a media coach relationship, traditional one, where you know right. they're asking tough questions and he's he's gonna either give the answers or tell you to go kick rocks. And yeah. I'm I'm down for that. On top, yeah, and on top of the fact that it, it, come on, I mean, realistically, when you're talking about local media. You know, in media and always wanting to get be first, right, with the story. Be, if it's be any story worth the right. shit, if it's any story worth the shit, Pete Thamel at ESPN's getting it before any of y'all. So we don't need to worry about that. All right. That's big, so, big boomers pick for the best media guy for Syracuse, by the way. Who? Uh, Pete, Pete Thamel? Thamel? Yeah. That's probably because he went to school with Wild yeah. Hag or worked with him. Yeah, he's right. Exactly. But they did a top, they did a top 100 uh, he he knew Dino was fired before the, the, his players knew. I know, I know. So that I mean the 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 you know it, it was impressive, man. I you know like I said going into that presser, I hadn't listened to a ton of Fran Brown speaking. I hadn't I didn't know. I still don't know a ton about him. And he was like, look, uh, on ACCPM, he was like, look, he talked about Orange Family. Well, I just got here. I don't even know anybody. Yeah, we're not family yet. Like, I need to work on that. We need to work on that. Like, that's that stuff. That's a. It's so true. Everybody's just like, yeah, bam, bam. You know, it's like, no, that's not how it works. Like, let's be realistic here. This is how it works. And he's doesn't, you know, he doesn't play any of that fake bull crap. You know that you see yeah. a lot. You know what I mean? Like, there's no, yeah. there's no man hiding behind the curtain type thing. It's just, no. it, it's just him. Yeah, and and it's yeah, a, and to go with that too. It's a situation too where he. Um, 
the other thing I liked was what he spoke about the fact because there was a lot of people that talked about, oh, well, you know, he hasn't been a head coach, hasn't been a coordinator. Oh, right. Well, I like how he jumped right in and he was like, look, I haven't been a coordinator because I haven't wanted to be a coordinator. Like, I want to be involved and have a relationship with everyone on the team. I don't want to be cornered off to, you know, this third or this half of the team to be a defensive coordinator. You know, he said he always wanted to be a head coach. That's why he went to Georgia to learn from Kirby Smart. And he spoke about stories to Kirby about making him sit in the front of the class just like he's going to try to obviously talk about making his students uh, do in their classes. But um, he's wanted to be a head coach. He didn't want to be a coordinator. So when he stepped in, when there was a question that was the wild hack, and he stepped in and spoke on that, that was another thing that really, really, um, that story impressed me, the fact that, yeah, I could have been a coordinator. So let's just, let's pump the brakes there. Yeah, and you and I spoke on that. So... Into a negative effect to some extent, right? Like, like this guy hasn't even been a coordinator. How's he going to be a, 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 a head coach? And he said as much. He's like, look, I'm going to have to, we're going to have to throw shit at a wall and see what sticks. But I'm just saying, when you when you get a when you get a coach like that that gets announced as our head coach and you've never heard of him before, and then you start going down the accolades, like then that's what you're going to initially think as a right. fan, right? Well, well, well Wild Hack said you needed to have someone with head coach or, or coordinator experience. And yeah. here we are getting, oh, the defensive second, the secondary coach at Georgia? Like, he hadn't even been a coordinator. That's, like, normally the initial reaction, right? Oh, Until absolutely. you actually start going down, you, you get to meet the guy. And, again, I mean, like I said, talk about selling yourself. Like I said, I mean, I'm not saying that he was, that he was BSing either. I'm not saying he wasn't being himself. But it was because he was himself and he came off as so authentic and so – I'm holding everyone accountable and so real that it actually, I think, affect, like it hit me harder, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's the same thing with me. And, um, you know, that, that, co- that, that question was directed to Wild Hack about you said that, you know, you wanted to have uh, someone with head coaching experience. And, like you said, Fran jumped, he, he, he jumped that route and, and uh, answered the question, uh, even though it was directed at Wild Hack, because, you could tell he was kind of chomping at the bit for that when he was waiting for an opportunity there. But um, I'm just I, – I'm impressed. I, you know, I just – try not to get too excited all the time. I'm so, right. I'm so used to being getting – I'm so used to getting excited and then getting dumped on my head. So, um, yeah, I, I do reserve some of that. But, you know, there is some four-star guys coming here. There's um, some – some Texas A&M portal entrances and you know don't know if that has anything to do with Elijah Robinson or whatever you kind of have to believe maybe a little bit to st- whether well, they come Jimbo, here or right? not right that too but whether they come here or not it obviously has something to do probably with Elijah Robinson to some degree whether right. they go somewhere else or here they left there so um you know it's going to be an interesting it's probably going to be the most interesting off season for any Syracuse sport that I can remember I think in my lifetime to watch this yeah. thing develop, it's going to be constantly newsworthy and um, kind of looking forward to it. And you guys know how I feel about the off season. Like I couldn't give a crap, you know, and you know, we, we had just finished our what s- seventh um, football season. Yeah. And you know, he, he it's, it was, it's been rough couple years for football a little bit here and there and um, <laughs> nothing like the know, COVID it's, year. it's nothing like the COVID year but you know you it helps to maybe have something like this going on heading into a, another season 
especially when, you know, you have an unknown coach and he's this charismatic and interesting. I mean, he could have some, who knows? Well, he, and, and two, I mean, you know, I, I want to give a heads up too. I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily wild hack. I mean, you know that we've been obviously. I, ju- st- I still don't care about that. I, I mean, I get it, but. <laughs> I'm just saying we've talked about what needs to happen from the university. We've talked right. about what needs to happen from the by the fans and the community and that kind of stuff. It is an NIL game. Um, so, you know, there's certain places where we all got to step up. But um, kind of kudos on this hire, though, if you think about it. Because when you look at our last couple coaches, I mean, I mean, minus, you know, you take away Greg Robinson and how he destroyed our program, him and uh, what, whoever the AD was at that point. I forget exactly what his name was. Um at least I try to forget. Um, but when we brought in Marone, like he was, he came from the NFL. He wasn't coming from a place of like recruiting. Didn't have. He wasn't. Not saying he didn't have relationships. All football coaches and all these players, they have relationships where they come through through high school and college and, and everything that they do with networking. But um, he was in the NFL. He wasn't in the now of of recruiting. Came for four years. He. Went ahead and got another NFL job. I don't know exactly what exactly went on with him. You know, then we go on and we pretty much just go with Scott Schaefer because we wanted to keep it kind of the same, right? And he was a assistant on the coach, or sorry, assistant on the team. Um, and then we were like, okay, we're going to get Dino Babers, right? But he came from the MAC and like, yeah, he built himself up. But how many players could he have brought from Bowling Green that could have helped us, right? Or the Mac and was, you know, where was he ranked recruiting and everything like that? Um, this is like a completely different strategy if you think about it, right? It's like we're take, we're stepping away. And that's one thing I think that so many people think it's got to be the status quo. Well, he's got to have head coaching experience. He's got to have coordinator experience. But now this guy's putting together a team. I mean, all these – him and, and Elijah Robinson are top five ranked coordinators right and okay they, they play for the sec so i get it but that means that they are in the backyard of the most talented high schools in the country that they have relationships and they've been recruiting i mean you recruit years ahead right so they've already talked to 2024 recruits 2025 recruits 2026 recruits um they have relationships and stuff like that and then obviously nick williams he was ranked in top 25 so you're bringing in young guys relatable that, relatable they can recruit and they have these relationships with these high school staffs and these talented players all around the country. So now we have a situation where we got a coach coming from Colorado, a coach coming from Texas A&M, a coach coming from Georgia. And we're like, okay, yeah, they don't have experience. But look at already – he just got announced on Monday. We have six four-stars officially visiting this weekend that are 2024. Some of them are already verbally committed to other teams. How many times in the last couple of years, signing day, early signing day, all of a sudden, oh, well, signing day, our top two, three best players get flipped to some other school. It's happened, I would think, three years in a yeah, row. Yeah, I was going to say every year. Every year. <laughs> and now all of a sudden, it's looking it's like, funny. because, I mean, hey, knock, knock, early signing days in December, right? So, like, it's looking to me like we're setting ourselves up to be the ones where these players are flipping too. I mean, some of these guys that are verbally committed, you got <clears throat> a receiver from New Jersey, from Camden, where Fran Brown is. He's a four-star receiver. And he's a fish. He's, he's verbally committed to Texas A&M, which that's where Elijah Robinson's coming from, right? All of a sudden, 
He's taking an official visit to Syracuse. Another receiver, four-star receiver, that's um, he's verbally committed to Stanford. Now, all of a sudden, he's from New Jersey. All of a sudden, he's taking an official visit to Syracuse. There's a defensive end that had Colorado and Florida State and some other team in their top three. And then all of a sudden, defensive lineman coach Nick Williams going to Syracuse. And now, all of a sudden, he's got Syracuse in his top three with Colorado and Florida State. Um, it's been a week. You know, he's got uh, Whit Muschamp, Will Muschamp's son, who's the defensive coordinator for Georgia. He's three-star quarterback, verbally committed to Vanderbilt. He's taking an official visit to Syracuse. So, and I've seen different things with Texas A&M. I, I saw one Texas A&M D lineman that has already been rumored to be following Elijah Robinson and coming to Syracuse, yeah. even though Elijah Robinson made it very, very clear that he is not recruiting his players until the season's over and they go into the transfer portal. Um, but, I mean, you are already seeing something different. Now, whether or not we're going to be able to have the NIL money and some of the things to retain them, then that's a different story, right? But the energy in the beginning – and there's just within a, just within a week is is kind of crazy. And you know, just play devil's advocate. I I think that's expected when you have this this type of caliber of recruiters that are joining your team because obviously they had guys in the queue and those guys there's several guys in their queue that were strictly going to whatever school because of them, right? So you I think it's pretty reasonable that some of this happens, but to to the degree that it is, you can make an argument that you know, it's yeah. uh, it's on a higher scale than than what it would normally be, and yeah, I <laughs> so uh, you know, I just want to say though, you know, in regards to uh, the nil stuff, like, look, you guys can go to orangeunited.com. You can even get yourself a little package. Okay, you can do you can do as little as a hundred dollars a year, and you know, join the community there. It's basically it's basically like another social media platform, first of all, but it's just Syracuse yep. fans. And, you know, it is a good place to, um, I think it's, I think it's a really cool little space, but besides that, you can, you can join the NIL and earmark where you want your money to go. And, um, you get a little package or some meet and greet stuff and a, and a, and a voucher for the store and things like that. I mean, look, access it's, to stories and certain things. Yeah, right? a, yeah. 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 Written, um, uh, written content that, you know, you can only get probably there who knows, but, um, it's well worth it. If you're a huge fan or, or you, you know, a fan and you want to see change, be part of the change. So like Fran says, which is what we said when this first, when this orange United thing first came out was, you know, now's the time to put your money where your mouth is. If you're not going to freaking donate to this, then, you know, you, you can't bitch. And, yeah. you know, Fran Brown comes in <laughs> and says much. the same freaking thing. Same, same thing <laughs> so, that we've been saying. Uh, yeah. So, you know, you, you've, you've got to have – and then I saw one comment that was – and I just refrained myself from getting nasty because well, it doesn't work. Uh, yeah, first time for everything. So <laughs> I, I, there was a guy who said, well, uh, he commented on somebody's post that I seen and it was something along the lines of, I think it was New Magician's post, but he posted something along the lines of, well, I want to see how this off season of recruiting goes and, and maybe next year I'll do it. Well, dude, just freaking do it. You could donate ten dollars if you want. You can do a couple months worth of like ten ninety nine or whatever the hell it is, or just do a hundred bucks. If everybody did freaking twenty bucks, they'd be loaded. You know, do a hundred bucks. You know, I mean, tis the season. 
Join the community over at Orange United. I think it's great. I had no idea that it was that it was what it is until I got the app. And I was like, oh, there's a freaking app for this? So I get into the app. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's a feed. People are commenting. Yeah, I saw <laughs> the feeds and, like, followers. And there's, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's like a community. I mean, you can network. There's things there that, you know, that make it worth it to me. I mean, I think that there's a lot of things that people out there spend $11 a month or over on that is probably a little you know this is this is worth it this know? isn't not frivolous as, this isn't frivolous spending i mean right. it's it's really not a hundred dollars for the year for something like this well look if you're a I big mean, fan dude, is not is a drop in the bucket let's think let's be the, honest the coach laid it out the coach laid it out he said this is what my my plan is you know he laid it out to wild hack and all that stuff but no doubt about it when he came out and he spoke he basically said that like you know we ain't going to be a championship caliber team if we're getting a, a six and six type of investment from alumni donors, fans and, you know, the university. All of it. And so he understands even that. Yeah, I, I got a plan, but I need some of these other things to work and fall in line so that I can actually execute my plan. Other words, otherwise we might be in the same situation. So, and you know, my eyes on the quarterback situation still. I know that we've had a little bit of conversations about this, and some people think that it's good to go. But my that's where my eyes are on that situation currently. So um, know, again, like what Matt Rule said, it takes one to two million to get a quarterback. Now, if you want one worth the shit out of the transfer portal, yeah, they're so, talking about Riley Leonard going for one point five. So I mean, think about that. Yeah, the Notre Dame, right? Yeah, okay. I heard from Mike McAllister today that they were talking about uh, Kyle McCord for Ohio State, talking about. One point five million to go to Nebraska, just randomly is where Matt Rule. That is, is just, but just astronomically high within the past couple of years to get from the starting point of this whole thing to one point five million for a quarterback is just. I know, absurd. dude. But all it takes because is a handful of teams to be willing to do it, dude. I know. Well, on. once they start doing it, now you've set the price point. And once the price point is set, just like the economy in general, once the price point is set, and if that's what you want, you want luxury, you're going to pay for luxury, period. No, like I said, players, they got to they gotta be careful. And I think there's going to be some players that learn the hard way. We spoke about some of these players, just you know, from our experience as Syracuse fans, some of these guys that left last year that didn't really get the playing time that um, they possibly would have gotten, well, that they definitely would have gotten here, but they probably didn't. They probably thought they were going to get more at the new schools, right? So... Um, obviously the grass isn't always greener and obviously, you know, if you only got 10, 10 teams that are willing to pay over a million dollars or can only pay over a million dollars, but you got 25 quarterbacks in the portal demanding it, then, uh, some people are going to be a little upset or they're, they're not going to make the cut or some people might be left out if you ask for too much. So our, our good buddy Nadal sitting on hold Nadal unmute yourself. If you'd like to speak, there he is. Hey guys, what's up? What's up, man? What's going on, bud? Well, I'm, I'm going to keep it short because I'm, I'm on call and I'm driving home. But question for you guys, is Coach Brown going to be a better football coach, a better mm. recruiter, or a better coach of uh, the community for NIO? Yes. <laughs> Look, this dude could sell sand okay, to a on. dude living in the desert, bro. I mean, I'm, I'm sold. I'm not like, I'm not like doing backflips and, and setting expectations, but... What he is going to do for the community to get, I'll bet you, I will bet you that the, the, the fans that we see hoarding into the dome next year is going to be, um, 
it's going to be we're not going to have a lot of discussions about the fans coming into the to the dome for the football games. I don't think that 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 is going to be a huge issue once people see how this guy operates. You know, he's talking about going into the community and doing these things and rallying the community to um, get to know him and what he's about and get, you know, and get these people to the dome. And, you know, that's a little something that's been missing to a certain extent. And, you know, getting back to winning ways, he's talking about bringing back, look, this dude speaks my language, bro. I mean, this is like talking about Donovan Darius and Donovan McNabb and Dwight. George Freeney. DeLeon. Yeah. You know, it, Paul Pascaloni. Yeah. These are, that's my childhood. You know, I mean, yeah. so it's like what well, we grew up watching too. He's the, he's around our same age, so right. He's just a few years younger than me, and um, you, you know, it's 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 just you know to hear that and have that be his benchmark. I mean, I don't know. I'm hopeful, and uh, you know, growing up in in the late '90s and mid to late '90s with all that stuff and in those teams and those players is was when we've talked about it here, how special those times were for fans and the team alike. So yeah. I think he and gets I asses in the seats. Do. And I think that, you know, we see a surge of, uh, we see a surge of asses in the seats. And I think we see a, 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 a long awaited, long missed excitement around um, Syracuse football that we've really missed for, I mean, we're going on over 20 years of it. I mean, real, when it comes down to the real core of it, right? I'm not talking about one ten and 3 season going to a Camping World Bowl. I'm talking about, I'm talking about the, the, the Paul Pascal and Donovan McNabb days that, that he speaks of. That was the first college football game he ever went to. And he uses that as his, his focal point for what he wants to do here. Bring it back to that. Look, does he do it? I don't know. But like I said. I think he knows how to. And I think Nadal actually hit all the spots in that damn comment because realistically, I think that he knows that he's going to need the community in the NIL and obviously, you know, alumni in, in university, that goes without saying. But he's going to need that and need that support to be able to get the NIL up so that they can get the recruiting. We already know that they can recruit, but we also know today is a day of NIL. And there are plenty of players already in the day of NIL that have said, eh, coach. I like you better, and I wish I could come here, but this school is offering us this. And I know that it's not college football, but Jesse Edwards for basketball, that's pretty much exactly what that situation was. Um, And then when you get the Jimmys and Joes, then the X's and O's get a little bit easier. And I think he's going to surround himself with um, good coordinators and good people that can help them uh, get a game plan because he's seen it done at good universities. So realistically, I mean, you need all those things, but I think that he knows that he needs to do all those things, and I don't think that he is going to allow – like his effort, his personal effort is not going to be the reason why he is not successful at Syracuse. Let's just put it that way. Oh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, that's true. I mean, Nadal, go ahead. That makes sense. Yeah, no. So, I mean, I think that's probably why this is a genius hire because I think he was so persuasive to Wild Hack that he was like, this guy's going to persuade the entire community to go or to get around the team. And maybe that's more important than football. Yep. But I think he's going to hold the uh, Wild Hack accountable to what he promised too. So he better, he better. Seriously. Yeah, and I, I think there was promises made. I don't think you get a, I don't think you get another guy in here um, if you don't make some promises. And, and, and um, decide to make 
football or sports in general, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a real focal point of, of the school, you know, back, back to being what it, what it was at, you know, in, in the old days, but like I said, the I old mean, days, but not to bring it to basketball, but losing Jesse was the biggest fumble ever. Yep. Ever. So we got to stop this from happening. Maybe it starts with football. Yeah. And you know, I, I haven't seen many. <laughs> Dude, I said it yesterday. All it takes is one millionaire. If I was a millionaire, there was an alumni in Syracuse. Just one fan. Well, they have them. Like, they have them. Okay. They're, donate, they're all donating to the Lally Center. So Screw that. <laughs> That's Dude, I said. If I, was, if I was a millionaire, Jesse would be on Syracuse's team right now. Because I would have paid that shit up to have him on this roster. I mean. We couldn't find one person. Yeah. We couldn't lobby not one someone. Alum, not one nothing. Mellow. Come on. Somebody. Something. Did they try? That brings us to that question. Like, did they try? Right. It's not on the list of priorities right now. Let's get back to, <laughs> uh, you know, don't make me start. Don't start me down that list. No, um, no. So, anyways, well, I appreciate Nadal. Look, I, I don't Thanks, really. Guys. Thanks, guys. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you, man. Nadal's a good dude. Yes, sir. Um, so, good night, Nadal. So look, I don't have much else to say. I just wanted to. I really wanted to come here yesterday, and I, I, there, there was no way I was going to be able to do it. I um, just ran out of time, and not to poo-poo the, the 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 game against Cornell and and all of that, and some of the things that surrounded that game. But I really wanted to get on here and as as fresh as possible uh, discuss uh, Fran the man because uh, after watching the presser, I was. Um, I was extremely hopeful, but excited. And, uh, like I said, I'm not going to set expectations, but it's going to be an extremely interesting off season for Syracuse football. And look, like Joe said, it ain't going to be for lack of effort. So no. And the thing is, is that, I mean, you get something so early with its excitement with all these recruiters coming from (laughs) Colorado, Texas A&M, um, you know Georgia, then we could pull some of these guys, right? And we could maybe bring some talent in. And like we said, we have a very manageable, favorable schedule next year. Yeah, that's another um, thing that bodes well for this whole that's situation. The, so it's almost like again, I mean, you look at the timing. It's like okay, we have this. If they can pull some rabbits out of their hats and get some more talented players to come in and fill in that depth and retain the talent we have. And then go against this manageable schedule, almost like a Louisville this year had a very manageable Louisville. schedule. Louisville. And, Louisville. and then within this year, grow your NIL and have a good season next year. Then then you're building the momentum to something that maybe, you know, we do actually start going towards, you know, the early ninety days. But um the timing right now is perfect. So um, I just got a comment. I think it's important enough to address on here. I think it's it's relevant, and um, <coughs> feel like we need to at least touch on this before we sign off for the night. At David Super on Twitter, our buddy David. How much do I need to donate to abolish the stand and clap bullshit? Uh, look, <laughs> I don't know, but I'm down. If you need if you need something from me, we if we can get a price on that, and we can and we can eliminate that whole 
uh, obnoxious tradition of distracting your own team while they're trying to score. Uh, well, like, distracting your own team while tiring out your own fans, making them bored. And then they do the opposite of what they're supposed to do after they're scored, which is sit on their hands. I exactly. mean, look, this this tradition is about the most backwards ass tradition that I think I've ever seen in my life. And I'm just I just I just wonder if maybe there was a Georgetown fan that that, you know, was a mole inside the Syracuse community at one point that came up with this idea. And now it's just it's just caught on like wildfire. And here we are to this day having to watch it. Um, you know, it's it, or participate in it because if you don't participate in it at the dome for crying out loud, you're just an asshole. Yeah, stand so, up, yeah, stand come up, on, man. It's up. like if you don't stand for the national anthem for crying out loud. I mean, you you give me a you give me a like, price. Why? So we're to sit here and stand for sit, clap for six straight minutes and then it's, sit down and then it's quiet for the next fifteen. Dude, I remember one time it was like eight minutes and I was just cr- I was I was at home watching the game. I was cringing. I'm like, oh my god, just make a shot because the the <laughs> clapping is just like you can tell people are just getting so tired oh my gosh it's, and we don't even do it well like it's not like it's, it's not, not like not super loud at all like it's like people go different speeds and it's like clap clap and then it becomes this whole thing and it's like i i want to know what other fans think about this like do other fans sit there and laugh like do other fans that have oh never gosh. played us like they're at the dome and they're sitting there like why are they up what and are they clapping? Doing? What are they clapping for doing all this putting all this pressure on their team to make the first shot like what are we doing like, what are they doing? Why don't you just don't throw shit on the court while you're at it? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I just, I don't know. I don't know, bro. Like, it makes no sense to me. But to what David was saying, though, look, I'd rather the money go to, to players first. Let our team get good, and then we'll talk about getting a, getting rid of that. I think but we you need did, to. You we, would think that, like, students or somebody at some point. Would come up with something different. Yeah. Well, you know, John Wildhack's a, a master producer. Oh, yeah. The whatever. producer and programmer of ESPN. Yeah, yeah. So he's probably got something up his sleeve. You know, maybe he can <laughs> yeah. maybe he can hire a committee and they'll figure something out for him. But oh, he had a scoreboard. Oh, the scoreboard. Yes. I mean, that, thing, yeah, see, that thing's beautiful. Sweet. Yeah. 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 I think the, hopefully the 5G doesn't melt people's brains in there. I don't know what the hell's going on with that. I don't even think they have it yet. I thought they did. Yeah, I think they did. Really, I heard I thought that it was so. a situation where they still didn't have it, or it still I, I wasn't figured out. I, I kid, I kid, I kid, I kid. Uh, anyway, no, I'm not about the clapping thing. I kid about the, some of the other stuff, just some of it. Some of the other stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah but anyways, it's fun to it's fun to um, it's fun to joke about that. David always got something zany to say, and we love it. So, anyways, <laughs> um, look. I appreciate all of you for tuning in and listening to this garbage, this hot garbage. And, you know, I appreciate especially everybody who's popped into the spaces, even if you were there just for a couple minutes. Okay, we appreciate you. And if you're still there right now, we appreciate you. Get over to orangeunited.com and freaking donate something. Don't be such a Grinch. Don't be such a Scrooge. Do it. Do it now. (laughs) For Joe, I'm Sean. We're out. Peace.